Spoiler alert. This is a Dissecting Dexter podcast. Reviewing Dexter Season 5. There will be plot information for Season 5, and possibly previous seasons. You have been warned. Welcome back to Dissecting Dexter, Episode 502, reviewing Dexter Season 5, Episode 2, entitled Hello Bandit. Obviously, this is a podcast reviewing an episode from Season 5, so if you've been enjoying the Season 1 rewatch podcasts and haven't fully caught up with the show yet, you may want to duck out now and avoid being spoiled for Season 5. So... Thanks for joining me again. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, and before we delve into the second episode, I'd just like to report a bit about the ratings for the season premiere. In its initial airing on Sunday the 26th of September, the episode had 1.77 million viewers, up 16% apparently from last year's premiere. The significance of this is that it gave Showtime its highest rating for a season premiere of an original series since The Outer Limits in 1995. The opening episode was repeated later the same night and the combined rating came to 2.34 million, the largest premiere night audience in Dexter's history, which is great. And with ratings like these, you can't see Showtime wanting Dexter to bow out this season. The latest episode, Hello Bandit, is reported to have had 1.7 million viewers, so a slight drop from the premiere, but provided that ratings don't tail off severely through the next 10 or 11 episodes, you'd have to say that a sixth season would seem pretty pretty likely. We'll see what happens next week. In other news, I want to give a little shout-out to another new Dexter podcast called Two Guys Talking Dexter. It's on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network and can be found at twoguystalking.com slash dexterpodcast.html I'm not sure if they're on iTunes yet, but you can certainly get their podcast on the website. It's a well-produced podcast with some fun commentary on the show and two charismatic hosts. They also do a live Ustream webcast as they record, I think on a Tuesday night. Check out their website for all the details, but I'll link to it on the blog at dissectingdexter.blogspot.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at Two Guys Talking. That's the number two guys talking. The final thing before we talk about the latest episode the listener lines are still ready and waiting for your call. Who's going to be the first and win the prestigious imaginary Dissecting Dexter trophy, as real as these uh, ethereal kippers I have in my hand right now? If you're in the US, the number is 206 350 6166. Or if you're in the UK, the number is 0844 579 6949 and enter mailbox ID 08320. The, both lines are open 24 7, so uh, whenever you feel like, uh, when you, whenever you feel so inspired to drop me a line, please do. And of course, you can always email dissectingdexter at gmail.com, as a few of you have and we'll be coming to that in the feedback section later. So, although I'm yet to get my first Dexter voicemail, I did get some great feedback via other means, and I'll be going through that later on. But for now, let's dive into the latest episode, Hello Bandit. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. After the shock of the Season 4 finale, and the emotion in last week's episode, with Dexter struggling to deal with the uh, feelings going through his head... It was inevitable that the second episode might not quite live up to the same standard. 
and it didn't. It was a slower episode for sure, more like a cliché setting storylines in motion for the season episode, but it did have its high points nonetheless. It said there are seven stages of grief. I suppose killing someone with my bare hands in a men's room was my way of working through the anger stage. Whatever the other six stages are, I don't have time for them. Because now I'm a full-time dad. Once the kids and I are back together, it'll all be fine. I always like Dexter's musings at the beginning and end of most episodes. They're usually profound, or at least thought-provoking, and give us some insight into what's going on inside his head. On on this occasion, he clearly recognises that he needs to focus on the children and put aside his own need to grieve for their sake. He seems to think everything will be fine when they're all together again, not recognising that it could be a long time before the children recover from what's happened. It's not going to be simple at all, as he'll discover. So Dexter and the kids move into Deb's apartment and try to settle in. Dexter finally attends his FBI interview and gets a shock when they say, we know you were at Arthur Mitchell's house. You can almost hear his bowels loosening, the look that briefly crosses his face. But they know he's not a suspect, but they're wondering why Trinity targeted Rita. He offers a weak reply, because he's a serial killer? playing the innocent one. I like it. We get a a very conveniently introduced plotline of Dexter's new target. The writing with this didn't sit well with me. It was all too neat. Having Dexter hire a van to move stuff from their house and seeing a bloodstain in the back of it, setting him on the trail of a new target. I mean, what are the odds of that happening? It's a bit weird how he almost fondles the stain and seems tantalised by it almost like uh, a recovering alcoholic might have a drink waved under their nose and they know they shouldn't but they're tempted nonetheless Dexter senses something to investigate but realises he has to put the kids first he wants to be a good father he knows he may have to make sacrifices like other people do there's an amusing moment when he's in the house packing some stuff and Elliot comes in Dexter drops a carving knife and when he's picking it up he sees Elliot's belly there in front of him and you can see exactly what he's think, thinking. attempting target. I like the nice but all too brief moment at breakfast. Dexter making pancakes in shapes chosen by Cody. Aster comes in and seems to be softening a little bit. She even smiles. But then she lays four places at the table by mistake and the whole thing quickly degenerates from there. It seems Dexter can't do anything to help her. And then they later duck out of school and go to their old house and Dexter catches up with them. Cards are laid on the table. Aster says they were fine before Dexter came along. And now when she looks at him she gets angry because she knows it was all a lie. Of course she doesn't realise how close she is to the truth, at least to how things were at the beginning, with Dexter using them as a cover to appear normal. Cody defends Dexter, which is touching, but they say how much they miss their mum and Dexter says he does too but Asta says she wants to move to Orlando with the grandparents. Cody, though, wants to stay with Dexter, and we've seen before how they're very close, and Dexter 
has never had the same difficulty with him that he had with being accepted by Asta. But then Cody was always the younger one and didn't have Asta's distrust of men instilled by by what she witnessed her father do to Rita, her mother. Unselfishly, Dexter tells Cody that, that, that it's important brother and sisters stick together like him and Deb did. It's another indication of how far he's come that Dexter recognises the uh, importance of his relationship with Deb and encourages Cody to stay close to Aster. This takes us into a good scene at the end, but I'll come back to that in a bit. I want to say a few things about other stuff in the episode. Of course, uh, Dexter gave in to temptation with that bloodstain in the van and takes a closer look. He says he can't put it out of his mind until he knows for sure if it's just from someone cutting themselves or something more sinister. It's as if he wants it to be something dodgy, and he'd be disappointed if the blood was animal, or if it turned out someone just innocently cut themselves. However, of course, the evidence he finds points to something very sinister. A bit disturbing when Harrison, uh, who Dexter's taken out to the van with him, he sees the illuminated bloodstains and makes a sort of cooey noise, and Dexter looks across and uh, turns it into a kind of grim fairy story as he observes how the victim was killed. He wants to be a good father, yet he talks like that to his baby son. I know Harrison's just a baby and won't understand, but even so. Dexter starts talking to Harry, saying he has needs too, and he has to see to them or risks spinning out of control, which is a fair point, isn't it? But Harry's words are wise that the children are also his salvation. Dexter subsequently looks at the records to see who rented the van before he did, and he turns up the name Boyd Fowler, who he learns has a job clearing up roadkill. Dexter, of course, wants to check the guy out and sets up a dead raccoon for Fowler to collect. Dexter's there waiting when Fowler turns up to look at it, and he says, Fowler, that is, says, Hello there, bandit, tying us into the episode title. And it's funny, Fowler has a very abs- very astute observation, uh, uh, sorry, uh, a very astute power of observation, shall we say, much like Dexter does. And he knows the animal wasn't killed there, nor was it struck by a vehicle. Dexter says, he's CSIing me. And through the conversation, Dexter learns enough to want to dig further. Boyd is played by Sean Hatosi, previously reported by me and other sources to be playing an FBI agent this season when we were talking about casting news and subsequently he was then reported to be playing a bad guy and I put the two together and assumed the FBI character would be a bad guy but it sounds like the FBI bit was wrong and he's just playing a bad guy anyway Dexter goes to Fowler's house to look for something that'll get Fowler onto his table before he goes in Harry pops up and Dexter says that the better killer he is the better father he can be, which is a very obscure uh, connection, but uh, we see where Dexter's coming from. So again, we get yet more affirmation from Dexter that he's determined to make a good job of being a single father in whichever twisted way he can. Dexter, of course, sees enough in Fowler's house to set off his killer radar. The numbered samples of hair were weird. I I liked Dexter trying to avoid Fowler in the house when he came back from work unexpectedly and perhaps inevitably. Dexter follows Fowler into the swamps, but I did think he was following stupidly closely. How he wasn't spotted, I don't know, given he was up to no good, 
You'd think Fowler would have been keeping a close eye on his rearview mirror. Bit slack, that, on the part of Dexter, and the producers for allowing it in the show. Jumping to a different topic now, the, the name Kyle Butler made its expected return, and it so far seems that the actors who play the surviving Mitchell family haven't had their contracts renewed for this season. They did their sketch artist thing off-screen, but we see the results, and although they were all a bit different, they did bear a passing resemblance to someone we know rather well. And we see Quinn having a play with the sketches, and it won't be long, surely, before recognition happens. Speaking of Quinn, did anyone else find him a bit creepy this week? The flirty, playful, boyish Quinn just makes my skin crawl. The whole thing with Deb, I just don't get. Does he suddenly fancy the socks off her? I don't remember him making any kind of pass at her before, but now she's succumbed to a a grief-induced shag. Deb's suddenly the object of his desires. I still think Quinn could end up using this newly intimate relationship to get closer to Dexter later this season. Still, speaking of Quinn, doesn't the actor look ill? He seems to to have lost a fair bit of weight since last season. Oh yeah, I've got a sound clip I wanted to play. Something Deb said that made me laugh when she eventually accepts Quinn's offer of a place to sleep and he goes to kiss her. Hey, fuck puddle, what are you doing? Just giving your guess a lot. I, I came over here to sleep, not to have your fat little sausage fingers all over me. <laughs> not heard that one before. Fuck puddle. Okay, moving on. We got the start of what is probably going to be this season's major case for Miami Homicide. A decapitated woman is found, her head set up like some Santa Muerta shrine, as observed by another new character, the Hispanic officer whose whose name I didn't quite catch, Sira, I think she said. She had a few good observations about the murder scene. Santa Muerta is described well on Wikipedia. It translates as Saint Death. It's described as a kind of Mexican religious cult that has a reverence towards death. I like Deb's joke in this scene when they first see the head. She was still alive when they cut her head off. Excision of eyes and tongue was done post-mortem. He's considerate of them. You're right. It's just a head. Unless they buried her standing up. And later they go to look at another body, connected to the beheaded woman they discover. It's a funny scene thanks to Masuka's wonderful reaction. I'll again play a clip. It's great, isn't it? You wait ages for a sound clip in this podcast, and then three come along at once, just like buses. Oh, fuck me. Why can't he just hanged himself, took some pills, stuck his head in the oven? People are so rude. Excuse me. We're getting a lot more laughs out of Masuka this episode, and I have no problem with that at all. Later in the scene, a bit of brain matter drops off the ceiling onto his shirt, and he says, Hey, when's Dexter coming back? <laughs> Officer Syrah is there again, and Deb brings up the stuff about Santa Muerta to Quinn. It seems Syrah is probably going to be a useful source of local information for the case. She says this is her neighbourhood, and she certainly knew a fair bit about Santa Muerta. I hope my pronunciation's good there. <laughs> Forgive me if it's not. Uh, Masuka. He had another funny moment when he was in the lab trying to recreate the decapitated woman's murder, slipping in fake blood. <laughs> Deb laughs at him. I hate this shit, he says. This is Dexter's job. It's gross. And there speaks someone who normally revels in the gruesome. On to LaGuerta and Batista briefly. So uh, don't switch off. It is brief. Last season, their scenes gave us a chance to go and put the kettle on. And this season could be the same. But with Batista's 
Batista. Batista's fight at the end, maybe it'll lead to something interesting for him. We don't know who the other guy was, except that they clearly knew each other to an extent. Is he a gang member? And Batista's going to have some gang after him now. Whatever it is, please let it be something interesting. I've never really cared much for LaGuerta, but Batista has been a good character at times. He needs an interesting storyline to redeem himself. Okay, so let's wrap up the episode by talking about the final moments of the episode now, when Dexter sees Asta and Cody go off with their grandparents. I lost my innocence at such an early age, and it left a very damaging mark. Can't I stay with you, Dexter? For now, you need to go with your grandparents. Don't worry, we'll still see each other all the time. Orlando's not so far. Yes, it is. Any shrink could tell you that's why I've always liked children, because they connect me to what I can never get back. I don't want to go, Dexter. I don't want you to go. Astra. What? Your mother loved you more than you could ever imagine. And I... Me too. Did you think Asta was going to give Dexter a hug for a moment there? But no, she seemed to be just taking a bag or something from him. Boy, has she got his number. But she's a child grieving, so we can understand. And did I detect Dexter trying to fight back the emotion? Oh, bless Cody. Say what you like about the actor who plays him. And we'll have something about that in the feedback section. But his hug with Dexter was really moving. Dexter realises how Astra and Cody have shown him that he can still care about something. He genuinely doesn't want them to go. He wants to look after them. Maybe with them going, he feels like he's failed. He realises that he was like Astor, thinking things would always be good. He underestimated their grief and how easy it would be to help them handle it. And then, when he finds the bodies at the end, he says how having a target normally gives him direction and a sense of purpose, but now it means nothing, and he doesn't know what's going to make him feel better. Well, he's back in that dark place, not knowing what to do. He's still very much grieving, and I think his emotions are as close to normal as they have ever been. There was a good comment in there from Dexter about his affinity with children, I've long drawn attention to the fact that he gets on better with children than he does with adults, and here he tells us why. And it's really sad to think about it. This man, deprived of something most of us took for granted as children. So, overall, I'd have to say this wasn't the best episode of Dexter by any means. The stuff with him finding the bloodstain and it leading him to another serial killer, that it was just way too conveniently written and and that disappointed me I expected better although I'm intrigued to see what they do with Boyd Fowler I just hope it's something interesting and not a carbon copy of previous killers we've seen the Deb Quinn storyline doesn't interest me but I think it may get more interesting once Quinn identifies Carl Butler as Dexter but let's face it, it's going to happen isn't it sooner or later as for the Guerta and Batista 
one big yawn again I'm afraid although as I said I'm trying to be optimistic that Batista's fight this week will lead to something interesting in terms of the season this was a set up episode the, the cliche set up episode planting the seeds of storylines for the coming season so I'll give it the benefit of the doubt but once again Michael C. Hall's performance was great playing Dexter starting to sort his head out a little bit as he tries to pull things together for the children so a lot less dazed than last week which makes complete sense for the character listener feedback listener feedback before I dive into the more substantial emails that I received this week I'd just like to acknowledge some some complimentary feedback I've had from let's see Ken from Australia who says hi great podcast but why do you do it from inside your car well ironically today I'm not doing it from inside my car but normally I do Uh, the reason being that I just my opportunities to record podcasts are few and far between my best time on my own really is my lunch hour and obviously then I get an hour to myself to sit and record something and the car is as good a place as any to get a bit of quiet time although as you may have heard from previous podcasts it's not always so quiet uh, bird song and um, <laughs> overflying military helicopters and the like have, have popped into my podcast in the past uh, but as I say today I'm doing it from home so um, the sound quality I hope is coming across a lot better uh, thanks to Mike from Anchorage in Alaska for, for his Good feedback. Uh, and Axel Foley in North Carolina. Thanks, Axel, for your comments on Twitter. Uh, glad to hear you're enjoying the show. Um, just a quick shout-out for Axel's new podcast. Uh, he and three others, uh, including Heath and Donald, who were on our Season 5 preview podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, they do a podcast called Podtourage, which actually I'm pretty sure I mentioned last week. Uh, but Axel is one of the other hosts, so um, definitely check out Podtourage on iTunes if you've not checked it out yet Uh, Constance from North Dakota writes I was attempting to leave a message on your website but I'm not sure if it worked actually Constance it did work I got that thank you Uh, she continues to say if it did please disregard those messages I just finished listening to your recent podcast which included your review of the first episode of season 5 glad to get some more Dexter as it had been nearly 9 months since Rita's shocking and utterly disturbing death I had mixed feelings about the first episode. It was terribly awkward to watch Dexter react to Rita's death throughout the episode. Some satisfaction finally came when he whacked the prick in the bathroom and let out that scream yell. I'm excited to see where the season leads us and looking forward to your podcast to follow. P.S. Love listening to your accent. Is that very American of me? Uh, I don't know whether that's very American of you or not, Constance, but uh, I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast, and thanks for taking the time to write in. Yes, it was terribly awkward to watch Dexter uh, react to uh, all those feelings going through his head in that first episode. He was in a very strange place, alien territory to him, really, and uh, it wasn't entirely comfortable, but it it was riveting. And kudos to Michael C. Hall for his excellent performance. I'm going to get into a a longer email now that I received from Jed from Iowa, who um, who I know from his Lost podcast that he did with his wife Cara, called Lost Is with Jed and Cara. 
and uh, firstly congratulations to them for the birth of their son this summer really pleased about that mate um glad everything's going well and it was good to hear from you i'm glad you're you've caught up with dexter now uh it'll be great to uh, hopefully have some some good chats with you about the show now from jed's email it sounds like he was tragically spoiled as to what was going to happen at the end of season four uh it sounds like he he came across pictures and uh pictures of Julie Benz in the press that pretty much gave it away for him so uh, that was a great shame but he writes so going into season 4 knowing that Rita would die at the end of the season produced a sense of gravitas to every scene with her my expectations for her character were very high knowing that the writers would soon be ending her with such expectations it was sad to see Rita was even less of a character than she was in season 3 left only to nag at Dex to pick up medicine for Harrison or scold him for not being home or to in inverted commas, cheat on him. The kiss with the neighbour is simply the most foul aspect of Rita's exploits of season four. Not only are the writers killing her off, but they're also adding a plot point where she cheats, so Dexter will have a motive to be investigated for her death. And the worst part of that is, she is disgustingly she disgustingly enjoyed watching Dexter punch out the neighbour. This was not an intriguing character trait that was going to be investigated it was a foul and repugnant sexualized use of Rita to fulfill Dexter's desires I found all of this frustrating now I'll just interject here yes you're you're right Jed in interpreting Rita's treatment in in that way she was sexualized and, and perhaps it was a bit cheap to have that business with Elliot um, it would have been nice perhaps if she just resisted him full stop but as far as her being reduced to essentially a nag in the season, I think I don't know. I think she was written to be a to be a domestic obstacle for Dexter um, for Dexter to continue his nocturnal activities. We talked about this a bit in the podcast with Donald and Heath last week. But Jay continues. Equally frustrating was the ambiguous or badly handled insinuation that Trinity killed her. Sure, the death was exactly as he killed his bathtub female victims, but the show never demonstrated why his character did this. Nor did his timeline actually allow for such a death. He was hurriedly looking for transportation out of town. He had time to run by Dex's place and happen upon Rita. But most importantly, why was Lithgow not even given a moment to allude to her death? The bad answer is that the show needed the shock of the final scene. Yeah, it's interesting that Trinity broke his very ritualistic M.O., to target somebody that didn't fit in with his um i want to call it his code but that would be too much like dexter but you know what i mean the criteria for his victims but maybe he realized that he was nearing the end of the road and thought sod it i'm this this guy dexter's bringing me down and i'm this is going to be my parting shot jed continues This is an important point about Dexter that I often find frustrating. The show works in deep, dark territories of damaged psyches and disturbed individuals. It takes time to create detailed stories of past events that formed a ruined soul. It's meticulous in its murders and salaciously pours over death rituals. But every time it has a chance to really delve into the minds of the killers, the show simply limps past it and onto another shocking idea. The Ice Truck Killer finale in Season 1 was the exact point where I found how deep this show was going. I had high hopes for that scene too. I wanted 50 minutes of Dex talking to his brother, analysing what makes each horrible mind tick. 
Instead, I got three minutes of mindless drama and some foul recreation of the ice truck killer's murders. This is a fair point, I think. I mean, season one, yeah, that would have been great if the finale had uh, been Deb unconscious, um, sort of semi-comatose on the table and and, um, Dexter and his brother talking. That, That could have been... That could have been a fascinating insight into the mind, into the workings of of two very complex and and warped individuals. Bear in mind, we didn't know Dexter so well in those days. But, yeah, I suppose suppose you're right how how the show does gloss over certain certain things that it it comes across. Uh, And maybe some of these... Some of these nasty events are purely there as plot points and not really to... um, be thought into too deeply which maybe is um i don't know whether you could call it lazy writing or cheating us as viewers i, I don't know a lot of what you say kind of sits sits with sits well with me but um i don't know i need to give it a bit more thought i think jed continues again so we come to season five rita is dead and now i am ready to watch this show step out from its conventional cage and really embrace the basic concept of the show what is it like for a serial killer a man with no conscious conscience but a code to live by what is it like to experience love and loss sadly i would say my expectations were again not met hall does an amazing job with what he's given but he has given nothing he has given plot beats that allow the season to have an arc. His character experiences dramatic moments, but they are shrouded in simplicity and mediocrity. Specifically, he murders an innocent man out of anger, but does not analyse what that means to him, or to his thoughts on Rita's death. The rest of the show doesn't help either. The Deb Quinn storyline was completely insulting. Sex in the house after Rita's death. I was ashamed to like this show. The, La- the LaGuerta Batista love thing is continuing. I tried to shut my brain off when that came up during season four. But worst of all, the show is back on track to be completely average. Rita died. They killed the most important character in Dex's life, save Deb maybe, and Dexter never really worked through what that meant. What a disappointment. They killed off an essential element to Dexter's psyche, but they and they only did it to create a shocking ending, not to explore what such a loss would really do to a man who kills to survive. I know that all of this seems very negative, and it is, but I do enjoy Dexter. I just want it to be better than it is. I want it to reach Deadwood Soprano's Mad Men heights. I think the death of Rita was their greatest shot. To quote the great Peter Fonda as Captain America, we blew it. Wow, thanks Jed, you really put a great deal of thought into that. Some great insight. You know, we could have really done with you on our Season 5 preview podcast last week. I think you would have added a great deal to the proceedings. Now, as far as as far as far this season, I think it's early days. I think there's plenty of time still to explore what's going to happen to Dexter. From one point of view, maybe it could feel a bit rushed for him to reach that point where he decided to come back for the sake of the kids and the fact that he recognised that he needs the kids too. Now, of course, this week he then lost the kids again, so we'll see what happens to him next week. He he did seem to be back in a very dark place at the end of the episode. You're absolutely right what you say about the other storylines. Uh, I've talked about those uh, this week. Um, but as far as Dexter's arc, I think there's still plenty of time for him to explore explore what Rita's death means to him and how he 
how he copes with, with, as I said last time, the tsunami of emotions and feelings that must be going through his head. Thanks again, Jed. Unless you want me to hunt you down, please email your feedback to dissectingdexter at gmail.com. Thank you. Okay, moving on, I got a nice email from Matt Cook, who has contacted the show many times before, good friend to the show. Uh, He has jotted down seven points from the episode, and I'll just go through those. Point one, he's following the pet removal guy a bit close, isn't he? Absolutely, definitely, and I I talked about that in my review. Very reckless. Point two, the whole episode just seems kind of phoned in. Seems like everyone is just acting like everything is normal, even, given what has happened. Just seems like filler between other episodes. Yes, I... yeah... Filler to an extent, I think more along the lines of setup, sowing the seeds of what's what the story threads are going to be this season. So I, I can cut it some slack this time. Point three, I wasn't against the Laguerta and Batista thing, but now it's annoying. I was actually more forgiving about the relationship as it was beginning, as it as it added a dimension to the office. But I'm now off that now. The money in the account was like a sad plot point off an old cop show or something. Then to find out it was just savings. Really? Yep, I have to agree with you. Can't really say much more than that. It was dull and just... Well, that in itself was just filler within the episode. Point four. The Aster girl and her inability to act or cry is distracting and really subtracts from the overall quality of the show. The kid who plays Cody wasn't too bad, but between the girl and their grandparents' complete lack of character... Sorry, character development. I'm kind of unsatisfied. Wouldn't they or the state step in and put them with the grandparents anyway? Have to admit, the part where Cody didn't want to leave and was hugging Dexter had me a little teary. Yeah, again, Matt, I agree with you completely. The acting of, of both kids has been lacking, uh, although the things, the dialogue that they're coming out with has been pretty well written. I think the delivery has left a lot to be desired. The grandparents, well... I remember the the grandmother seasons ago being a right royal pain in the arse for Dexter Um, and she was quite a strong character then but she seems to have been what's the word I want to say emasculated but that's what's the female equivalent you know what I mean you're right there's been no character development on their part you'd think they'd have had a lot to say to Dexter and there's certainly there would have certainly been room for Dexter to have had a scene with them uh, talking about it But yeah, the bit at the end with Cody hugging Dexter certainly was moving. Matt's fifth point. I kind of like the deal where Deb respects what a beat cop cop has to add. She had to fight to get that kind of respect and get them to listen to her ideas, so it was nice to see her pay it forward. Good point, Matt. Well observed. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And I think we'll see more of that cop in future episodes. She certainly had a lot to add and seemed to know a lot about the whole Santa Muerta thing, which I think will come back. Point six, Quinn's new hairdo is utterly ridiculous. Between that and the fact that it seems he's lost about £20 he didn't need to, he now looks like a (laughs) 12-year-old. Well, yeah, agreed again. Point seven, it's almost like Dexter has to wait to let the hate build up enough to get to the mental place where he can kill. This speaks to the kind of monster he really is. Maybe it's not just about avenging those that the law couldn't get to. Maybe the hate has to flow from something that is lacking in his life. And with the baby and the love he feels for him, he can't get that hate going like he used to. Yeah, and I think... Ah. 
Sorry for the interruption, that is my mobile phone going. I should be right back. Okay, sorry about that. So now everybody knows what my ringtone is. Um, and I've lost my train of thought. Matt's email, yeah. I, th- I think Dex is in a in such a state at the moment. Um, I don't think he's reacting like we're used to seeing him react. So I would say let's wait and see. Um, and maybe he'll establish a new pattern this season. So I'll, I'll, I'll reserve judgment on that. Uh, but but thanks very much, Matt, for taking the time to email. Um, and before we wrap up the feedback, I did get another email from Jed. Again, with some some astute insight into the show. He says, Gareth, I am listening to your review of My Bad, and I had a few epiphanies. First, the moment after Dex kills the man in the restroom, he sque- screams and wails. That was surely one of the best moments of the series. Hall's screech and moan were the perfect blend of psychopath and victim. It was like his vocal cords were emoting for the first time in his life. Hearing it again on your show was exhilarating. Yes, indeed, Jed. That was one of the most powerful moments of the series to date. Great acting by Hall. And uh, and I agree with your analysis of the moment. And I couldn't resist playing it again in the podcast. Jed continues... Because of my reaction to hearing that scene, I realised why the show is truly frustrating me. It is everything that surrounds Dexter. It's Deb and all of her ridiculous childlike actions. And it is absolutely the completely worthless secondary characters. I've come to the point where I actually just look away when Batista or LaGuerta come on. Quinn is a waste. Really, all of these stories simply destroy any emotional connection I feel with the show. So, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. We talked about the secondary characters in the podcast with Heath and Donald um, because a a criticism levelled at Dexter was the fact that the secondary characters have had little or no character development over the course of the series. And um, we came up with with something of a defence for most of them. But we're at the point where, as as I've talked about, LaGuardia and Batista, yawn, Quinn, yawn. However... Quinn could well become this year's dokes by being a big thorn in Dexter's side. Although, for me, uh, there's no real con- uh, comparison between Quinn and Dokes. Dokes was such a great character. And he himself, while he was on the show, had, had some good character development. Uh, but Quinn, he's obviously going to fill that role of, of being the um, being the thorn in Dexter's side, suspecting him and, and hot on his tail. Jed continues, you mentioned wanting a single tear from Dex. I wanted that too. I think everyone wanted something from him. His final speech at the funeral was well done, but why was his profession of love only in his head? So we would understand that it was not a lie? A few more complaints about episode two. I can't believe they have already sent off the kids, even after his realisation about them needing him and he needing them. I can't believe they already have a serial killer he has found. I think the Trinity-like death of Rita was actually the neighbour, Elliot, another shockless shocker. And finally, after having a baby, I now realise just how ridiculously the show has handled having a kid. Dex would never, ever, ever get to run around the hours he does with Harrison around. Yeah, I I think certainly now, now Rita's gone, there, he's a bit limited as to who can look after the baby. Um, I think we're going to see in the next episode that um, he addresses that situation. But certainly previously, I think he got a lot of slack from Rita uh, to be able to pursue his nocturnal 
his nocturnal activities. Um, and I think, well, we, we saw him uh, tell a lot of Porky Pies about his whereabouts and, and covering the fact that he was out and about and, and blaming work. So um, him getting to run around, I think he, he um, came out with a lot of excuses to allow that to happen. Um, yeah, I think they sent off the kids a bit prematurely. Well, we'll see what happens to Dexter in reaction. Um, bearing in mind he's, he's recognised that he needs the kids and, and now they've gone too. It may be almost like being like the grieving process is going to start again and this time on his own. The kids will have been a good distraction for him, being strong for them. Yeah, the new serial killer, as I said today, how convenient. You know, I I, I thought that was very... It trite the word. It was all too convenient, him stumbling upon that, and um, a bit cheap, really. As for Elliot being the killer of Rita, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it would be a shocker. But how Elliot would have had access to all the forensic details to be able to recreate uh, a Trinity slaying. I, I, I'm not so sure about that. I, I, My money's still on Trinity. Okay, so thanks again, Jed, uh, for another great email. Uh, if you want to write an email to me with some comments on the podcast, on Dexter, anything you like, really, the email address is dissectingdexter at gmail.com. If you want to drop me a voicemail, the two listener lines we've got in the US, the phone number is 206-350-6166. And in the UK, it's slightly different, the number is 0844-579-6949. But with the UK line, you'll need to enter a mailbox ID, which is 08320. But thanks again to everyone who took the time to drop me a line this week. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. The next episode is entitled Practically Perfect. Now, anyone who's seen the film Mary Poppins, the phrase practically perfect will immediately conjure up images of a genial nanny with a comical hat who keeps all sorts of things in a in a carpet bag that shouldn't be in there and flies through the air with an open umbrella and well, takes children into cartoon worlds full of song and dance. Now, I'm not sure whether we're going to be getting any songs or dances in next week's Dexter, but I think the phrase practically perfect pretty much guarantees next week's episode we're going to see Dexter getting a nanny for Harrison. And, well, it's about time. I don't know where Harrison's been uh, at all times in the last couple of episodes. Deb's been busy enough, so who's had Harrison? I don't know. But it's good that Dex is doing something about it. Also next week, it seems that Quinn is starting to notice similarities between this mysterious, elusive Kyle Butler and Dexter Morgan. So we knew it was on the cards, we knew it was coming. I think anyone who'd seen the Comic-Con Season 5 preview video, it was clear from that that Quinn was going to make the connection. And it'll be interesting to see just how far Quinn takes that next time. And how Dexter gets out of it. I think it's fair to say that Dexter wriggling out of it is going to form a large part of the coming season. But it's a lot to look forward to, and I can't wait. I just hope we don't get too much Batista and LaGuerta and all that crap. God. <laughs>
Okay, well, on that note, I'll say thanks very much for listening. We're at the end of another Dissecting Dexter. I hope it's been a good one for you. And I hope you've appreciated the better sound quality this time. I can't guarantee that the sound quality will be quite up to par next week. I suspect I'll be back in the car next week. Uh, But hopefully the content will be up to scratch and you'll enjoy. And if you do enjoy, why not drop me a line? Dissectingdexter at gmail.com or the listener lines quickly finding my bit of paper with the numbers on in the US you can ring 206 350 6166 or in the UK 0844 579 6949 and enter mailbox ID 08320 or you can follow me on Twitter at Dissect Dexter that's for the show or you can follow my personal Twitter which is at Gareth underscore UK hey and if you feel so inclined why not leave an iTunes review because I do appreciate any feedback that I get, good or bad. Okay, so that's it. Thanks very much for listening. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I look forward to dissecting some more Dexter with you next week. 